Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi there. I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mall Over Podcast. Hello, good evening, and welcome to this week's Mall Over Podcast. The only rugby podcast gives you all the news, views, and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Mall Over Podcast. We are Mall Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook. And you can find all of our podcasts on Anchor and Apple Pods and the Google Store and lots of other places. Uh, I've not tried Alexia. yet. I'm not entirely sure whether uh, whether she likes them all over podcasts, but uh, maybe give that a go and uh, see what happens. Um, I am joined this week by uh, Ben Eustace, who is freshly um, jabbed. Is that probably yeah. the best, best, thing, best thing for you to oh. say? Pfizered and up to the eyeballs, mate. Absolutely Pfizered. Yeah. Um, another old man who has recently um, been injected, not uh, with meat, is Doug. Now yeah, then. How are you? Uh, better than I was 24 hours after I was jabbed up. Pfizer? Uh, Pfizer? Oxford. Just wait for the blood clot. AstraZeneca. Doug, is, is, is what you're saying that this podcast has got potential to go a little bit Dante's fireplaces? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good paper. Oh wow! I mean, that's that's a reference I'm, that not many people will get, but I suppose our our loyal listeners will. Um, and obviously, the the two of us that are... keep saying Christ. A bit further away, the, the two of us that are a bit further away from forty um, than the other two uh, is the uh, housewife's favourite. Looking oh, from the waistline, eh, Russ? Uh, from the waistline, <laughs> looking looking resplendent in a very uh, a very James Herriot style gilet. Um, Phil Farmvet, how you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm I'm rocking the Farmvet look with a with a muddy brown coloured gilet that's a uh, Nicely padded for this cool evening. I really want you to be wearing uh, some faded red corduroys. <laughs> yeah, underneath and, and, che- and, che- and Chelsea boots. <laughs> yeah, I got I got one of the two of them on. 
definitely got Chelsea boots on. Phil, Phil's never out of those Chelsea boots. Um, right, let's uh, let's move on into some rugby. Um, last week saw Warren Gatland pick his Lions squad. Um, interestingly enough, there were a few shocks. There were a few omissions. Um, ben, let's let's start with you. What? What's your biggest sort of takeaway from that Lions squad announcement last week, other than a thoroughly wooden performance from Jason Ledden? Jason <laughs> um, you can't pick a bad Lions squad, really, can you? I mean, it's, it'd be very difficult to do. So it's it, Eddie Jones would have a go. He would, yeah. Um, but, you know, there were some people flipping tables on social media and it, and I don't think that that's the right approach to take. Um, there's some I agree, some I agreed with some, some that I thought were actually good moves and, and there's a few that I don't agree with. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed. There's no underhill in there. I think he'd be perfect for South Africa. Um, rumor has it. He's kind of top of the replacements chart. So he's probably likely to get out there. But I just think if you've got big men running down the sort of nine ten channel, then Underhill's perfect to put a brick wall in the way. Um, I think he's kind of picked players to play the same way. I don't think there's a huge amount of mix and match in there. You know, um, sort of similar style players to replace similar style players. Um, I like I like the Conan pick. I think that is a good pick. So he's he's impressed me whenever I've seen him, and I hadn't really considered him because he's not been starting for Ireland. I mean, I I'd like that's... to I'd like to have seen him in black and white because then he would have been Conan the Barbarian. But, um... Good good one. <laughs> <laughs> Was it that bad? <laughs> I quite enjoyed that. You're the anyway, only one. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, should we should we just stop the podcast? Have <laughs> <laughs> we, we sincere apologies, everyone? We'll see you next week. Have we literally hit rock bottom? But yeah, I think I think really he's not. He's picked a side that isn't going to get bullied by South Africa, but he's also not going to attack them head on. I think it's designed to move them around the pitch. Um, there's a few players in there that have got in there on um utility you know they can play a couple of positions i'm looking at elliot daly here um i think he's a little lucky to tour but altitude in a long boot may yeah have helped him yeah i think that's probably it um i i'm no more and no less confident than i was i, I just think it's a decent squad um, and I think he's picked it to play a certain way. He's got the option of a heavyweight six by picking all those second rows that can play there. He's got a, it's a, that's a quick back row. It's a very mobile back row that he's picked. And I think they're going to almost take a slight leaf out of the 97 Lions book. Kind of depends. Kind of depends where he sees Tide Burn. Although officially he's down as a second row, and I would agree with that as a second row. But there's been plenty of people calling for him as a six, which obviously alters that balance a bit. Well, it's the same yeah. as picking a Toji at six, isn't it? Like, 
There's no yeah. difference in that. Yeah, no, no. And I wouldn't except, say except, them, so. except you could probably argue that Burn is a better six than the Toji is. Just about, but he's still yeah. a lock. Yeah. And why bother having specialist back row sixes on you know on the be- on the bench or not even on the tour when you're gonna pick several um sort of hybrid second row back row players? I find it a little bit strange. I mean, like Cor- there, Courtney Laws, for instance. He's a second there, row. There isn't a specialist six. You've got three number eights. You've got Curry, Tipperich, and Watson. So they're all sevens, really, aren't they? They could all do a job at six, but they're all really sevens. And then you've got, if you do want a, if you decide that you do want to front up a little bit more, you could put, you know, a Toje, Burn, Laws, or even Henderson at six if you got desperate. But I suppose um, it's it's a is it a bench thing as well? Yeah, of course it is because you can burn on the bench gives you so you know extra options doesn't it they could go 6-2 on the bench with burn well, they, they could i think they will if, oh well i i was thinking that they might go 6-2 but on reflection would they need if they have someone like burn on the bench right do they need to go 6-2 because they could make a conscious decision then to see at what area he could have the biggest impact, whether that would be coming in at lock for... Um, and then you think, if Maro Atoji is giving away a lot of penalties, being targeted by referees, and I don't, we don't know who the referees are yet, but likelihood is they're going to be Angus Gardner. I would imagine he'll be there somewhere or somewhere about. A couple of the French guys. Um, Look, I think we need to remember we're playing South Africa in South Africa. So that and potentially at altitude for for a, at least a part of the game. So I think he goes full front row replacement. He goes a designated second row replacement, a second row stroke six replacement, and another back row player because the amount of work these guys are going to get through is just going to be phenomenal. Um, and they don't really have the time to acclimatise to those kind of conditions. And I think the backs, and not meaning to be disrespectful to the backs, but I think they can probably get away with a bit more with only two covering. That's that's my gut feel. Well, he, he's going to play. You know, you could look at that back three and think you could have three international class fullbacks in that back three, which which I think is which I think is what it will do. By the way, yeah, yeah and if he, because you're well, at Hog, altitude in South Africa, Hog, but, Hog Watson Williams. Yeah, yeah, but even if you don't, you're going to have two of those in there. I would have thought injuries yeah. permitting so you've got some flexibility there if you've got uh farrell either in the team or on the bench again you've got some flexibility there um so you know you could, could potentially if you had that back three you could go with farrell and a scrum half on the bench and then you've covered the backs yeah i mean it could go I mean, it could go like 2009 and you need like 19 substitutes but yeah, or or and I don't think he would say he plays bigger Farrell, plays Farrell as a twelve. I think you, I think that's exactly what he'll do. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, you then you then just have a centre on the bench because you've got two tens there anyway. Yeah, but I mean, in in terms of the squad coming back to to the initial point, Ben's right. 
like there's there's probably the the 23 that are likely to start a test most people are going to pick 20 out of those 23 um and all of them are in that squad you could pick a handful of players who are unlucky not to be in that squad so i think ring rose is unlucky um uh, i think josh adams is unlucky when van der merv's in there uh, Josh Adams I, is in there, mate. Yeah. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. sorry. Um, well, balls that out, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think Sinclair's unlucky. I think Johnny May's unlucky. Um, uh, I think Navidi's maybe unlucky. I think Underhill's unlucky. So you, you can pick a handful of people who are, who are probably unlucky, but they're not shoe-ins, and they're probably but- not in many people's starting 15. Equally, you could pick a handful of people there who you could say are, are probably quite lucky to have made it. I think Bundiaki's bloody lucky to have made it. I don't I don't think he's um, he would be in my squad. I think Daly's lucky I, to I have made it. I think as soon as um Tuilagi they ruled Tuilagi out, they kind of brought Aki in because he's big similar style, isn't he? Just a big lump to run up the middle. Um I just think I think Johnny I, Hill's I just, bloody lucky to make it. I think it. he is. Yeah. That's that's the one that surprised me the most. I I don't think it would do the squad any harm to get drop Hill and bring Underhill in. Doug, you've been very uh, passive so far. If you want, what, what are your thoughts on the, on the squad? I think one of the things that people have missed is that this is the most sort of balanced um, nationwide squads in the, the in the in memory, really. And I think a lot of that. It's to do with, I think there maybe have been some political pressure from the unions, given what's happened in the last year or so, to give a fair representation from each nation, to give each nation a little bit of something to cheer during during this tour. And with that in mind, I think there are some players probably that are on tour that maybe shouldn't be. Uh, I think potentially, like we've said, Bundiaki is one, potentially... Um, Xander Fagerson or um, Chris Harris yeah Chris Harris has shown that he, he's got a game that will work yeah, in South Africa I think I'd have picked Harris um, whatever. I, 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 but I do think if you look at the squads there's 8 from Scotland, 8 from uh, Ireland and then 10 each from England and Wales I think Ken Owens is pretty lucky to go I'm not sure I think that's a sentimental pick. Same with Alan Wynn. I don't. I don't think Alan Wynn is. I. Th- I think you could point at him and say that there are at least five or six locks better than him. Well, the and that's what the South African press have come out and said as well. They've said you've picked somebody as your captain who wouldn't be in your first fifteen, and wouldn't be in the top handful of second rows in the Northern Hemisphere. You picked yeah. a, a plodder, a lazy plodder. I think they termed him. Um, well, I mean, that's as you, as you know, something row. you put on the change of room wall. And yeah. yeah. I, 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 do, I do think there are some people that are unlucky to have missed out. I think should any of the fly halves go down, it would be interesting to see if they bring up Ford or Sexton. And if Ford misses out, then that's obviously a Gatlin not rating Ford. Um, you could argue that Ford's probably more unlucky to miss out than many of the sort of you know, Carl Sinclair's or any anyone like that. But um yeah, I think it's fairly I look, I 
I think South Africa have, let's not forget, sort of before the World Cup, South Africa were a bit of a laughing stock. They were getting pumped every every time they played and they turned it on for three or four games and all of a sudden they think that they're going to just walk over this Lions side. If, if, you'd have, if you'd have asked any of us before the World Cup going into this Lions tour where we thought a Lions team would stand against South Africa, we'd have all said, oh, we'll win 3-0 comfortably, probably 30 points rubbings. Um, South Africa have beaten England in a World Cup final and all of a sudden they're the All Blacks. Be interesting to see, won't it? There's, there's definite, you know, they've, they've got a definite style, the line, yeah. um, South Africa, and uh, Warren I'm, Gatlin. I'm, I'm also, a I'm, a, I'm a bit tired of the, of the, the, the size narrative. I mean, England's pack was heavier than South Africa's in the, in the World Cup. Their backs, man for man, were bigger. Um, it's not necessarily numerical size. I know that's a really retarded things to say but in terms of i just think it's a very it's, lazy narrative to sort of push that it's know, that... it's it's the style of play that they bring as much as anything it's it's forward direct confrontational um it's well, I... it's, it's more about trying to dominate the the contact than it is necessarily yeah. about those skillful elements I mean, you say it. you say that phil but look at the tries they scored against england in the world cup final they weren't they, they, they were a lot of the tries were spun out wide. You, and you've got two flying wingers. You've got Faf de Klerk. You've yeah. got Andre Pollard who can and spray the ball around. I mean, it's only really, they've got a traditional sort of crash ball twelve in DLN day, but um, you know they've they've got some but big lumps in but, the second row. But every team's yeah, got big but, lumps in the second it's row. That, it's that classic um, old school coaching game style of your forwards smash it up and then your backs take advantage of it. But, but I they're, think, not, I, they're not. They're not. They're not a twelve that, man. They're not twelve man rugby. Definitely not. But they. But they hit. They sort of flogged, and we're we're sort of believing it ourselves now. I think we, you, we need you can, to get, We need to understand that we've got really good players as well. Oh, you can. Totally. Um, you can pick a South African forward out of a lineup, couldn't you? They 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 have a, a sort of look and body type. They're sort of very yeah, it's tall and six years bold. of anabolic steroids by the age of eighteen. Yeah, that's, and, and that's the wrestling, South African body type. Wrestling wildebeest and yeah, you know, that they they perhaps don't carry quite as much weight as a European forward. It's more like sort of you know, it's all muscle, isn't it? There's no there's not so much um excess weight banging around on a South African forward, so maybe they don't weigh quite as much. Um, there's, but, there's, probably, but, there's probably a farming analogy in there somewhere, but let's not go there. Doug made the Mac point o- about Mac o- would not look like a South African forward if you put a South African head on him. No, we took... That's, we that's took, the point. Yeah. We talked well, about this a few that's weeks ago. Really look at we? Kishoff. He, he, he's fat. He's, you wouldn't Jim. say Stephen Kishoff is a... Yeah, fat genetically bastard. modified rugby soldier, would you? He's he's just no. a big ginger blob. I'm thinking of the sort of <laughs> big ginger blob is the title yeah. of this week's podcast, by the way. <laughs> and everyone's going to think you're talking about me. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm thinking of kind of Etzebeth and uh, Vermeulen and players like that. But yeah, yeah but you you could say the same about Maro Toje. Yeah, you could. Yeah. And, and that's, but, that's the point you, you're making is whilst there's a perception that they and 
as a as a nation as a team are physical and big and strong i mean like it's all relative isn't it because you look at tom curry doug you made the point weeks and weeks ago about billy villapola carrying into contact and you just got to watch the speed versus whatever the equation for force or whatever what were you saying about the momentum mass times momentum yeah like you can have somebody running not as fast but bigger to cause a big collision or you can have somebody that's slightly smaller running a lot faster and watching tom curry go into contact now and people like underhill people like hamish watson who by the way has the sam simmons has the most Hamish Watson has got one of the most incredible salads for a barnet I think I've ever seen at the moment. <laughs> it's pure exercise. Also the most English man ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, what that's what I want someone to do is dub the Hamish Watson interview where he's talking about being selected as a lion, but with a drunk Glaswegian accent <laughs> over the top of. Brilliant. And you mentioned Sam Just Simmons. So he actually seems Scottish. Yeah, you mentioned Sam Simmons there. That's obviously unbelievable um warren gatlin sees something in him and the way he operates to pick him over the likes of you know you, you think about ben earl who eddie seems to favor in the england team you know does it point to a way that he's going to look to play does it look to point to say sam simmons could actually be that sixth forward on the on the bench in the test side that says actually you could play you could play across the back row and you can offer something completely different you know, he's basically a set. I, I, you know, this has probably been said, and we have said it many times. I'd love to see Sam Simmons against South Africa in the centre. Not that it'll ever happen, but imagine that Dialende and Simmons. I'd just like to see Sam Simmons picked for England by a coach who isn't a massive isn't cunt. So arrogant, he can't be the person that decides that he's good enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it just. It also shows the Lions aren't going to play like England, which is a good thing after this Six Nations. But, you know, even even England's plan A, when it works, the Lions aren't going to play quite like that. They're going to be attacking wider channels rather than... I don't they think... don't play like the Crusaders, eh? Or not I don't the Crusaders, think it's... Whoever the team is that Gatlin coaches down there. Oh, the was it the Chiefs? They got pumped. Chiefs, that's it. Um, no, I think it's more of a case of they are... The Lions are going to play with the ball. They aren't going to go down the Eddie Jones route of, well, we'll give you the ball and then we'll just make loads of tackles and make you make mistakes. I think Gatlin wants to play with the ball more, which, you know, in rugby terms has got to be got to be good for everyone. And I think all I was going to say is, is I'm a bit. I don't know. I think Slade's been okay for England, but there was. There was just something in sort of a, a gut feeling I had that he was good, that the lion shirt would be the making of him. Yeah, and I, I agree. Just, I thought I thought maybe it would have been, you know, it just would have fitted him. And it's a shame he's not going. But, uh, you know, you know, the impact, you know, you know, when Jonathan Davis first yes. came outside Jamie Roberts, was it that was the Australia tour mm. um, two tours ago? And he, he kind of said burst onto the scene, but he'd been playing well for Wales and then he turned up in that Australia tour and he was phenomenal. And I th- and and that sort of the way that Gatlin plays, I thought could have really suited Henry Slade. Yeah, I think so. As, oppo- as opposed to just kicking the ball away and not allowing him to do what yeah. he does. 
I think some players just just grow into the jersey, don't they? Like I'm thinking about like Rob Carney and four years before that, you know. And uh, yeah, it was a little that was not a disappointment because I think you know there's there's good arguments for, to have other players in the squad, but I I just did think that that might have been like a a, a good flyer to take. But uh, four years time, Redpath and um, Slade might be a good bet. I'm not having Redpath, mate. Sorry. Dead to you. Dead to you, is he? <laughs> well, no, he'll be dead to a South African when they pick him up and and snap him in half and use it and pick the clingers out of their arseholes. Yeah, I mean, go, playing go Australia just... in four years' time, though. <laughs> God, God knows what Australia will be like in four years' time. But, you know, that's if we're ever allowed, you know, as a back in there ever as a nation. If they ever let visitors back there ever again. Um, I've completely lost my trailer thought. Um, a couple of a couple of shock selections. Obviously, you mentioned Johnny Hill. Um, one person that's not really been mentioned so far is Van der Merwe. Um, well, I had him in my starting team when we uh, floated it out while we were thinking of other things to do on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Are you uh, you and Gats good good mates? Are you what? I don't. It's, it's an old. No, one. I'm just a rugby savant, mate. I know what I'm talking about. I know. <laughs> <laughs> a rugby savant. Um, I, I've got to be honest. I'm surprised that I'm surprised that he's been picked. But when you look at the other wingers, it kind of makes sense. Is he not just making up the numbers of Scot of the Scottish contingent? He ain't getting anywhere near that test side. No, uh, yeah, I've I've got reservations about, especially about his defence. But um, he must Can't... know all the good bars, though. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's I. I think it's just a geography thing. I think he was going going there to see his family and they thought, yeah. well, we'll save on the plane ticket. It is, it is a, a sort of, you know, we we grow up as British people who like rugby wanting to play for the Lions and it being like the pinnacle of our rugby playing, you know, environment. And then you get... Van der Yaki and Van der Merwe. Duan Van der Merwe. And, you know, it's like... I mean, I think that there should almost be like an obligation to change their name. <laughs> so the it, it should is... become like, I don't know, Duane David McMurrah or something yeah. like that. Oh, oh, the thing yeah. is, the Lions can set their own... <laughs> Bundyowaki. Their own residential requirements as, as they see fit. They've just chosen to go with the ones that everybody else goes with so that so that they can perceive that they're picking the best team. I mean, let's be honest, Taulupe Falatau doesn't sound overly Welsh, but he's as Welsh but as at he least come. you can make that sound Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then. <laughs> You'd like that, wouldn't you? I really would. You know I'd like even more if Ben did it. <laughs> I'm not getting into that. Oh. Um a couple of people well, James Ryan was another one so, that missed out. So Falatau was seven when he moved to Wales, six or seven. So you think fair enough? Um, yeah, James Ryan. I'm I'm not that fussed about James Ryan to be honest. We've got such a yeah. He probably fits in that handful that are above Win Win Jones, but we've got so many second rows coming out of our ears that are that are pretty similar. I I don't know. Again, I think we can we can argue the toss about ultimately people who are squad players and are there for the midweek games. I I. Not really that fussed about that. I'm, I worry more about um, 
who's going to be in that 23 at the weekends. I'm okay. I'm not I'm not so with you guys on the Alan Wynn Jones isn't that great argument either. I do think he's better than we're giving him credit for. Well, he's an inter- he's an international lock, but <laughs> yeah, you know he, ah, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not wearing him. Other than his uh, apparent leadership qualities, um, I'm not having him as a as a, as an effective second row. Give me yeah, a Premiership no. team he gets into, Ben. Bath. He walk into Bath team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Give me, I, I, give me one he wouldn't get in. He wouldn't get in at Saints. Wouldn't I, get in I, at Exeter. He would get in at Exeter. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. I'd, he wouldn't. I'd, I'd have Adam Absolutely Jones over. Absolutely not a prayer he'd get in Exeter. I'd have him over both of those. No. No. No, you're you have wrong. Him over Johnny Hill and any one of the South Africans. Or, or Johnny Gray. Johnny Gray. Yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, yeah. I think I do think he's better than Johnny Gray for sure. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Without any basis or fact, you're wrong. Yeah, we've we've uh, we've, just, we've talked with Alan Wynne Jones to death, haven't we? Uh, I'm just looking. Um, <laughs> I think you know you're wrong. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking at the squad pictures on the official Lions website, and uh, none of them look happy, do they? Well, and, and Palatow does. They look like they've been made to pay out of their own pockets for those horrible <laughs> shirts. Cowan Dickey looks. Cowan Dickey looks like he knows your deepest secrets. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Andrew Porter served me a coffee out of the back of a horse box the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Are they? Do you think they're all told to like you know look? moderately mean. I mean, Ty Byrne and Bundyaki both smiling. Dan Bigger. <laughs> Bundyaki's smiling. He didn't play for Ireland in the summer. <laughs> Connor <laughs> Murray looks like he's just come out of a six-week six stay in a hospital he, somewhere. He, he's another one that's a fucking miracle he's made it, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is, is, is Thomas Williams um, injured at the moment? Pass. But there are, there are still there are still plenty of other nines. I mean, bloody um, Gibson Park played most of the Six Nations for Ireland, didn't he? He's shit though. Bet. He is shit. But was Conor Murray there for experience? Mid bit of midweek experience. And you've also got to ask yourself, like, what kind of what kind of tour is this going to be? Without there's going to be yeah. no fans. There's going to be no. That's one thing like, I wanted to say actually. Like, I want the Lions midweek games to be against like. Transvaal and yeah, West Greg, Greg was. I don't want to be against the Stormers and like Super Rugby teams that no one gives a shit about. I want to see proper South African farmers beating the shit out of people. <laughs> Do you know, not not, not second rate, you know, international players. I want proper gnarly shit filling people in off the ball with really nice kits. Like 97. That's basically what happened in 97. Yeah, I want that. Things were better when I was younger. (laughs) Uh, Sounds like a new regular feature. Things that that were better when Doug was younger. (laughs) Everything. Everything. But yeah, I just mean like from a touring point of view, like the Lions, the Lions tours have always been about sort of inclusivity and meeting people and going to different areas and to like 
a real say PR thing, but it is like public, a lot of public relations, isn't it? It brings used to be like usually brings a lot of money to countries. It, it gets people involved. It captures the spirit and not being able to do any of that. You know, how much, how much do you think it's going to feel like a Lions tour other than having some midweek rugby and, you know, the best, the best thing about the Lions tours usually is when they're in South Africa, when they're in Australia and New Zealand and the midweek matches are at nine o'clock in the morning. I yeah. Start drinking early. So definitely, I think out there isn't going to feel like a Lions tour. Um, uh, like things are still going to be relatively different in South Africa to the point where, yeah, there's the, you're not going to get that kind of cultural angle that you, you usually get in the Lions tour. Having said that, um, we're not going to be out there anyway. So that's largely irrelevant for us. It's just going to be some rugby matches. Yeah. Yeah. And talking of rugby matches, let's, let's move on slightly um, from the Lions. England have got a couple of tests in the summer. Playing USA and Canada at Twickenham, um, and there's also going to be uh, an England A fixture in a year that also has a Lions tour, which seems a really, really odd, odd thing to do. Um, so with these with these main guys not involved this summer, who who do we think is going to uh, going to push for Eddie Jones's selection? in the summer for these these two internationals do you think we're going to see a really really experimental squad or are we going to see some sort of basic fundamentals with a with a few others sprinkled in well they said it's jones so he'll probably pick exactly the same squad with some absolute curveballs thrown in i, I mean you you might get to see someone like um uh, oh, who hasn't been spoken about ever umanger will start um, Marcus Smith will do nothing all summer. Emmanuel will start for, for the England team and then George Ford will start for the A team just to confuse things. Um, and Joe Simmons and Marcus Smith will just have the summer off. Um, they'll have... You'll probably get, you'll probably get um, Jamal Ford-Robinson starting for the England Will Will, will Chudley. Yeah. Henry Thomas yeah. will come back in. What you should do, what we should do, what what any podcast who's worth their salt would do is go through and look at all the apprentice players that he's called up, put them in a pot and pick a team from those. But none of those will get a look in because Eddie's forgotten he picked them. <laughs> well, or he's only picked them to stop some other country picking them. Yeah. They've done their job. Right, Tommy Raffel. Tommy Ruffle. Tommy Ruffle. Dave Ruffle. Ribbons. George, George Martin, he'll be in. George yeah. Jorge Martin. Jorge <laughs> Martin. Um, um, they're going to... You'd imagine that the A fixture is just another fixture, really, because it's an A team anyway, isn't it? The Lions aren't there. It popped, it popped into my head as we first started discussing this that Usually every year they have some sort of quilter cup bullshit non-cap international against the Barbarians, don't they? And Josh McNally doesn't think it's bullshit, mate. No, but he didn't play, did he? You know, in fairness to Josh, I mean, it would lovely. I'd love to see him get a, a, a you know some sort of representation because we'll we'll talk about Josh in a minute. But um, like, 
uh, Don Brandt played a couple of years ago, didn't he? And Doug's mate Josh Bassett and um, like loads of random players playing that non-cap international, and it just makes you think that you know if that's what they're going to do, they're going to play. Are they play in was it Scotland Day. Scotland Day. Um, in Welford Road, he like. I mean, I can't imagine Scotland A are going to be tremendous, but it, it does give an opportunity to, well, to those it, people. To, will it not be the be same for, for Scotland though? That it will just be their first team. It's just a, it's just a non, uh, a non-cap England Scotland. I mean, is is riding on it because we're we're playing USA and Canada, aren't we? That's the, yes. the actual England fixtures. Now, it, does this suggest that maybe he's going to pick the bones of? you know, the team, his normal team, and he's using this A fixture as a sort of dress rehearsal to see who he wants, or does that make too much sense? I mean, it probably makes too much sense, Ben. But, you know, you think this summer, the USA and Canada, no matter who we pick from a premiership, like from an England available premiership, that we aren't on the Lions. Them. We should beat them. We should beat all I mean, three that, of those. That, the those were the Saxons' fixtures at one stage, weren't well, they? Well, ab- absolutely. Canada. So, like, you would you would hope that the likes of Marcus Smith, Alex Dombrant, um, oh god, my mind has stuck it. Harlequins, like Tommy Flaherty. Like, yeah, how good has he been? Well, I'm, I'm thinking oh, Stuart, Ollie... Stuart and the Glamville are top yeah. of my list. Ollie, Ollie Hustle Collins. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a whole raft of people who almost deserve an opportunity to see how they cope with a bit of added pressure you, and get you know... exposed to that under under a bit less issues than bringing them in in a, in a high-pressure game. I've not mentioned Joe Simmons once. I've said him twice. Well, I wasn't listening. So. <laughs> no, Joe Simmons. No, well. but, but Joe Simmons I, is in direct competition through... now with Ford and, and Smith, isn't he? But I, I, you know, you know my feelings on Joe Simmons. You, you, you think it was a good opportunity to give Ford, um, Slade, Slade, Slade Noel, players like that that have got 30, 40 caps. Just give them the summer off. Yeah, if they no, go with you... the Lions, so much the better. But you got, yeah, you got to remember these these guys had a a, a, a I ain't delayed want a summer off with twenty five grand on the line per game. No, then well, maybe that's the whole point of the eighteen yeah. fixtures. They don't have to pay in full fees. <laughs> maybe it's a cost cost saving exercise. <laughs> but they've had a how long, had until, a, how long until Six Nations fixtures are eighteen games? Well, exactly, they've had a um, a prolonged season because the end of last season ran straight into the start of this. Um, there's some, there's a few players who probably wouldn't say no to a rest. Uh, not, but not, but there'll be lots that say no to 25 that wouldn't say no to 25 grand more to exactly. Doug's point. But I'll tell you who, um, like the likelihood of that won't get picked. So the likes of Ollie Lawrence and, and Palo Dogwu probably won't be anywhere to be seen this summer. Yeah, you spent, um, you spent the Six Nations in the squad, it was a shit show. Um, that was not. What I owe to your fault because you spent about a combined seven minutes on the pitch, um, but you're not if, getting picked. If, if Joe Simmons doesn't get a mention in any of these squads and Jacob Umanga plays, I'm going to start flipping tables. Hey, look, the last I don't know what three weeks or so have have shown 
where the hierarchy sits in young, young English fly halves for me. You've got Joe Simmons, who plays that controlling role at 10, maybe not, maybe not as expansive and not as much magic, but does a great job of, of controlling the team, sits top of the pile on that lot. You've got Marcus Smith, if you want somebody who's expansive, who can turn a game and read things and is, is just a magician, top of the pile of that. And Umanga is very much Marcus Smith's understudy in that in that role, um, and it's and it's been obvious from the recent games. I mean, Marcus Smith just—I uh, think he was almost trolling Umanga a little bit when Quinns played Wasps, and he got the ball and uh, just ghosted around the outside of him. And it wasn't even that Umanga made a poor a, a attempt to tackle him; he didn't even get a finger on him. The problem they've well, all got: Simmons, Umanga, and Smith. Is it George Ford's 27? Yep. 29, isn't he? Either way, he's got years ahead still, of him. Still, yeah, still not old. That's fair. Well, he's got another well, World Cup cycle in him, at least. Yeah, for sure. What, what about this? Uh, he's 28. There you go. <laughs> Robson, Smith, Thorley, Devoto, Marchant, Bassett and Stewart. How does that sound? It sounds great, but if you take that, if that's your World Cup side, you're getting pumped. Yeah. <laughs> what about if that's your World Cup side in 2026? You're getting pumped. This, this is your chance. Doug, this is, your ch- this is the chance that you've been talking about for years of getting different players in. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not disputing that. What I'm saying is that I don't think that balance is right. No, but you, you could get, say you got, Three of them in your next World Cup squad, it'd be worth it, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, I'd, take, I'd immediately take Smith. I'm not sure Marchant's ever going to cut it at international level. Um, Thorley seems to have lost a bit of the magic. I don't know if mm. he's been worked out slightly. Um, Robson, yeah, probably. But I think Spencer's better, and I think Alex Mitchell will be better. Yeah, I, I think Spencer's better as well. I think Spencer might have been a good shout for the Lions squad, to be quite honest. But mm. what what the bloody you know what's happened to McConaughey? Is he just perennially 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 injured now? Is he just injured all the time? It's like, a mystery, just... isn't it? It really is a mystery. Like he's gone off the boil. That the a good player. Not getting in Bath's team. Yeah, less than a year. They seem to really like they seem to really like that Will Muir, don't they, at Bath? Mm-hmm. Um, the X Sevens lad. And Alex Gray getting a lot I mean, we'll come on to again. Yeah, you know you know a name we haven't mentioned in any of these sort of discussions is Max Malins. Yeah. Who apparently can play anywhere. I mean he played a well, yeah. He is an exceptional rugby player. Yeah, so I, we did I, one of those I, video I podcasts a few years ago. Uh, and I said that we we all picked a young player that we'd like our team to sign. And I said that I wanted Saints to sign Max Malins. It's on YouTube. It's on uh, Facebook. If you go to our Facebook page, that video is still there. But um, I don't, I don't really buy the whole Max Malins thing yet. Really? Yeah. No, don't get, I think he's all right. Rolls Royce. I'm telling you, he's brilliant. He scores. Oh yeah, I'm he scores. He, yeah, he scores. He scores. He scores amazing tries. He scores champagne tries. I just don't. 
I don't know. I don't see him as an all-round rugby player yet. I don't know. I, I just it's a, it's a really hard thing for me to explain why. I just I I watch him and I go, yeah, you're okay, but I don't buy into the hype that you're the best thing since he, sliced bread. He could be, in my opinion, he could be our version of um, Bowden Barrett. Bowden Barrett. Mm. But at what position, Doug? Well, exactly. Barrett can play any position for the All Blacks. I think Malins could play 10, 15, 11, 13 for England comfortably. Yeah, but Bowden Barrett, would... Barrett is New Zealand's best 10 and in the top two 15s. I don't see I, Max, I don't I don't see Max I... Malins as our best 10 or our best 15. But I think wherever he's gone and he's, at, he's played for Saracens and Saracens aren't going to... Saracens can't drop Owen Farrell. They could potentially play him at 12 to accommodate Malins at 10, but Malins is equally good at 15, so play him at 15. And believe yeah, but they were, so they were playing, playing 15. Yeah, they were primarily playing, but they were playing good at 10 when Farrell wasn't there. Mm, I'm not sure. Yeah, but Malins was injured a lot of the, the year they went down. Yeah. I don't I, know. I genuinely, just... I, I, you know, I ge- you know how I feel about Saracens. I genuinely believe that Max Malins. Yeah, the fact that you're, you're saying something positive about. about a Saracens player means that he must be. You must think he's absolutely amazing. Um, but so I, I don't think there's a single player, person in the world who likes rugby who doesn't look at Bowden Barrett at ten and go, "Holy fuck, you're That's you're playing a different game to everybody else." Yeah. And I just don't see that with Malins. Um, I, I don't think, think we've seen him enough there at the highest level. When he played there for the England under-20s in that tournament, when I think it was over here where we won it, and Harry Malinder was playing as well. Was it that? Was it that? Maybe it wasn't that tournament. But anyway, when I saw him playing at 10 for England under-20s, and he was picking the ball at first receiver, just gliding through, you know, he... He's a, he's a different class of player, honestly. Uh, when I've seen him play 10 for Bristol, he's looked like that. They played Wasps earlier this season or back He's got levels, season. man. Like, he just he can just turn on at the gas and just disappear. And it, and I, it, he's one of those players that doesn't look like he's fast, but he obviously is. And, that, and that's very much like Bowden Barrett. I think, um, yeah, that, that is Bowden Barrett. I, I, I've been more impressed with him at 10 than at... 15 i did i did think he did pretty well for england in that one game he played and then he was unfortunate to get injured but i am completely on the steward hype train uh, so, so i, I think... just think he's a just a classic fullback and i've been really impressed with tom de glanville as well i think he's really good as a fullback you can't just keep saying bath players <laughs> you can and he will, can and he will. <laughs> so um coming back to the malins thing at, at 10 I think what it is is I think he he almost tries his decision making. I think sometimes he tries to do those those things too often. Um, in in the way I read it, and I'm and I'm stumbling over my words because I'm finding it really hard to articulate it for something that I'm. It's just a feeling. It's something in my head that I'm not 100 percent sure of. Marcus Smith, when he first came came onto the scene two years ago as an 18 year old. He would try things when it wasn't on. And him now is a much more rounded player. He understands 
senior rugby a lot better and and there is a big difference between under 20s and and senior rugby um purely very much echoes comes... of when cristiano ronaldo first started playing for man united yeah 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 doing totally. the step overs when you yeah. didn't need to do them yeah exactly and, and, and he works it out and he's unstoppable and 12 months ago you were you were raving about marcus smith doug and saying how amazing he was and i was a bit like nah and I, I buy it now. I totally buy Marcus Smith. If you want to play that kind of rugby, if you want to play a more controlling game of rugby, you go with the Joe Simmons. But if you want to play that type of rugby and you've got the players to take advantage of it, 100% go with Marcus Smith. Um, Max Malins, I just, he just looks like, he, I think he's too old to be trying too hard, if that makes sense. Um, and And in that regard, I just don't see him being as good as the hype. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm not saying he's not England material. Just some people spend their entire life trying to masturbate all over him. And I don't, I don't get it. But that's classic of, of any England player. That's not in the starting 15. Like, you know, if you listen to Twitter, Sam Simmons is the best forward in the world, which he isn't. He's a great player, no. but he's not, he's, you know, there's fundamental flaws. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, yeah. He's, he's not the best number eight in the Lions squad. Fact. Um, Who is you know, I'm just having a Pal- Pal- Oh, yeah, because he plays a bar. Okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, oh, you, you're right. right. All Ben's literally wearing a bath shirt. <laughs> and, um, and like, now Marcus Smith is the best fly half in the world. You know, and he he trans- single-handedly transformed that England team, and and that's not true. He's a really good young fly half, and he's playing out of his skin, and he should be in the squad. But you know, all of England's problems aren't going to be solved by Marcus Smith coming into the team. And you know, there was a there was a corner of, of rugby Twitter that wanted him bust into the Lions squad. Yeah, and yeah, uh, and think... all. And I suppose all we're saying is that Marcus Smith is has the potential to have a strong future as England ten. Yeah. Like, but I mean, I I know listeners of this podcast who think it's an absolute travesty that Malins didn't start all of the games in the Six Nations. Um, and I'm just a bit more chill on him. I think the, these players' next ten years will be decided at the whim of who the next England coach is. If we yeah. get Pat Lamb in, Marcus Smith is going to win 150 caps. Yeah. Without without a doubt. And Max Malins will win 100 caps as well because he'll be playing fullback. If so, we get Warren Gatland in, then we're going to see Ford and Farrell for the next 20 years because I think they'll be wheeled out on Zimmer frames. So to put it into context, Max Malins made his debut for Saracens at the same age as Marcus Smith is now. Uh, and that, I think, says something. Yeah, but Saracens. Mark, yeah, Saracens Smith would fun. Have, yeah, I, I mean, I guess Marcus Smith ended Nick, Nick Evans' career, right? Uh, I don't know. Nick Evans must be 68 now. Yeah. <laughs> but your, but your, <laughs> no, point, think... your point that, that Max Malin's made his debut for Saracens when Marcus, the age of Marcus Smith is now... Saracens dominated English and European yeah. rugby for the last seven years through fin- systematic financial doping yeah. and, and Owen Farrell. Yeah. And, and, and for a third of the season, they were without 
Owen Farrell and loads of other players who were off playing for England and Malin still couldn't get a game. I don't think it's a fact that he couldn't get a game. I think that's I think that's wrong. I think the Harlequins okay, and, get and Saracen situations so, aren't even remote no, similar. No, I know, but... But you're if, comparing them, Phil, no, no, directly. What, <laughs> no, what I'm saying is Marcus Smith has... If you compare Marcus Smith now as a 20-year-old with Max Malins as a 24-year-old, Marcus Smith has got so many of the errors out of his game and Max Malins hadn't even played a single game of Premiership but, rugby. But I think that, again, that's because Marcus Smith was thrust in at the deep end when Nick Evans had, had finished and that, you know, that's the way that Quinn, the Quins have done it. Saracens, uh, a slightly more risk of... Slightly, slightly, yes, could afford to ease him in. Slightly more risk averse um, when it comes to not financial doping and um but they throw ben erlin as an 18 year old horses for courses isn't it it's easier to throw it's easier to throw in an 18 year old back row player than it is to put in a, an 18 19 year old they they, they eased um they, they eased even a toje and and farrell in you know back in the day they, they didn't throw them straight in um why, why would you throw max malins in at the expense yeah. of farrell or or, um, it's not well, they having, had, so, um, having sat, for a long time. Having someone sat on the bench and, and exposing them to, to premiership rugby is not throwing them in. Not when not when actually you know full well you're gonna go out and play some games and stick fifty, sixty points on teams. So Didn't you have, have an injury as well. Ten minutes of rugby. Look, I, I, I agree with what you're saying to an extent, but I just think he's a victim of the club he was at. Because they, there is a very clear, a very clear direction from Saracens that they sort of bleed players in gradually. There's no, you know, we're Saracens. We've got all these players. We don't need to. I, I'm sure if Marcus Smith would have been at Saracens, it would have been the same story. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think next season when Max Mellins goes back to Saracens, he will be number one in whatever position they choose to play him, which will probably be fullback. Yeah. Do you know who was good? Jeremy Guskett. Play for Bath. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh brilliant. You, wait, brilliant. You, you, know, you know it's over for Ben from an analysis point of view when he starts praising Stuart Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we did have some questions in earlier. We, we already saw Simon Dixon. We've already started talking about the, um, the, England, uh, the England stuff for this summer the potential ins and outs. Uh, another question from the Cornish incomer, um, which is something I wanted to get onto about the whole Kyle Sinclair thing, going back towards the Lions, but specifically the media in general, is uh, what what are your thoughts on the rugby press uh, collectively pulling themselves around the room by their mickeys over Sinclair <laughs> getting them getting a bit upset? Oh, that, because he was time as any for me to make my escape to the toilet rather than slag off the people I work with. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, there, there's been a lot of a lot of um, media coverage of that Carl Sinclair interview. There was a thing in the rugby paper about Carl Sinclair, Carl Sinclair angry. It was just a, uh, a headline, which he is angry and he's upset about not being picked for the Lions. But this whole thing about him getting upset in an interview after just coming off the pitch, after playing 80 minutes of rugby... Um, to be forced upon difficult questions for the li- about the Lions. It it all seems a bit circle wanky to me. 
I don't know what you guys think about it. And then Hugo Monia started to cry in an interview with Pat Lamb because Carl Sinclair hasn't been picked for the Lions. I just find it, find it all so, a bit odd. So I watched the interview and actually I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was great to see a sports person sharing genuine emotion and trying to express themselves and it made me vaguely more excited about the Lions, the fact that that's how rugby players feel about it. Whatever Dick Wards want to write in the papers, it's up to them. But I think it's fairly clear to say that rugby media is made up of a load of uh, a load of dinosaurs supplemented by ex-players who love to spout utter bollocks. Um, and actually add zero insight to the enjoyment of the, of the uh, general rugby viewer. The exception to that, I would say, is David Flatman, who I find to be quite humorous and actually explained some stuff rather than just repeating what the other commentators have said in a slightly different way. Ben? Um, I, I thought, fair play to Sinclair, he said what he thought, and... You know, he, he must be feeling down about not being in the squad. I think most people would. Um, you know, it's not it's not earth shattering news, is it? Player disappointed not to be picked. I, I just think that that is the key, right? I, and I'm I've got nothing against like I, I literally. It was great to see an honest interview. I'm all for an honest interview. Like the fact that he was getting a bit upset, great. Like he was honest, he was emotional. It's fine. But the whole media circus, like, wanking on about it because, oh, it's, it's such a great thing that he's showing such emotion. It's so good that he's doing this. It's so good that he's doing that. It's just normal. It's just a normal bloke talking about not being selected for something that he really wanted to be selected for. But the what, problem what, is... What, what do people expect? But the problem is most most sports stars have that kind of normality in press uh, interviews coached out of them. Yeah, I Venice don't think Genji. they do. Or like, for whatever reason, it doesn't. It doesn't. There's so many interviews where people just pay, play platitudes, pay platitudes to things, um, and and Ellis Genge gets ripped to shreds whenever he comes out and says anything honest. Now, he speaks like somebody who's brought up in Bristol because he was, um, and he doesn't always come across as being the most eloquent. But actually, we're we're in a situation now where having a personality and expressing yourself makes you stand out you don't hear anything that there would be i don't know i would guess there's 30 or 40 people who who are disappointed they didn't get selected either didn't get selected or didn't get a phone call or a letter um from gatland about the lines the the problem is there's only one of them who's uh who's ended up being interviewed yeah the only the only one that got man of the match nobody spoke to johnny may after the after the game nobody spoke to henry slade after the game you know, it, it just, you know, it, it was an interview. It was an honest reaction. He should be applauded. He should be applauded for giving an honest reaction. And then we should all just move on. I just don't, I don't see why such a big, big thing's been made of it. And as I say, then Ugamonia carrying on, like, I'm not entirely sure what to think about that. If I'm, I'm, honest. I'm, I'm um, done with Ugamonia at the moment. Yeah. Well, let, let's not, let's not go into that because, you know, Draw the line and be kind, eh? Um, <laughs> right, next. Be- 
some random noises. Right, Bristol. Let's let's talk about Bristol versus Buff, Ben, for a bit. Um, Buff started well. Simon Dixon wants to know, do Bristol need a plan B or is their plan A uh, with Vidrada and Pietro, et cetera, good enough? Uh, it's best to just double down on it. Against the Tigers, they didn't fire a shot in the first half, but they swept it away in the second, a bit like they did with Bath at the weekend. Um, is it enough to beat extra in the final? So, I mean, did, I think they, but did, Bristol, did Bristol really put that performance in or did Bath throw it away? Um, well, I do think they do need a plan B and they might have one because they were, they were actually struggling in the first half because um, Bath just put a huge amount of pressure on Sheedy. They just they just rushed out, got into Sheedy's face, um, or whoever was sort of act, you know acting in that receiver slot. And um, like McNally had a great first half. Um, Miles Reed played really well, and um, Bayliss. And, and you know they they did defend well because Bristol started off. They looked like they were gonna um, carve Bath up a little bit, and then Bath got what has to be called two pretty lucky tries. Um, and you know Bristol looked a bit, bit clueless. Um, but then, straight after half time, they changed it, and um, Bath didn't have an answer. Um, but you know, if it's Exeter, Exeter would have an answer, and and they would probably not come out and do exactly the same thing after half time either. Um, yeah, you know, and and Bath's real Achilles heel at the moment is their set pieces. They got absolutely crushed in the scrum. That's got to be a fourth or fifth game in a row that I've watched where they've been battered up front. Line out fell apart a little bit. Absolutely no um, issues with that red card on no. on done. Um, so, Can't do anything about that. So, you know, Bath did implode a little bit, but they were already beaten. Um, Bristol had, had changed their tactics and, and had got on top. Well, they, but it was an obvious tactic for Bath to, to get on Sheedy early to stop him playing. So they, they were rushing Sheedy. And as soon as sort of Bristol worked that out, they just basically stopped giving the ball to Callum Sheedy. And they were playing off nine and they were missing and they were, they were, they were doing sort of the, the behind passes and stuff like that. Yeah. And, they, and they, they just kept sort of persevering with, um, with the offloading, you know out of tackles and just before tackles and and it just you know Bath had to crack in the end and they did um you know Bristol good side um but are they are they I don't think they're reliant on those big names but you know they were they were relatively quiet in this game and it was it was more sort of unheralded players that that sort of carried them through really their front five yeah um I feel like we're burying the lead here. Can we talk about why Stuart Hooper tucks his socks into his tracksuit? It's very, it's very 90s BMX chav, isn't it? So he wears, he wears... Can he tucks his tracksuit into his socks? Yeah, tucks his tracksuit into his socks and then okay, wears... I tuck my socks into my coat with a hoodie underneath. Um, I think... It's, incredible. it's an incredible look for a, for a grown adult. I, fair enough if you're hanging around outside a train station, but <laughs> if you're director of rugby at Bath, for goodness sake, at least put some mustard chinos on. 
I mean, you 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 you'd maybe expect that sort sort of behaviour at Sale or you know maybe yeah. Newcastle, but Bath. I'm going to try and find a picture of it because I, I feel like you're not really appreciating how bad it is. I'm really not. I don't think I've ever noticed it. So with, I with want the Doug baseball on. cap that's too small for his head. Um, we t- the Tony the Tony Pulis baseball cap. Yeah, and the red jacket. It, it's an astonishing look for a for a fully grown adult. Um, for honest. Bath, Elliot Stuke has just signed for Wasps. Do you see that, Ben? Yeah. Next season. Uh, I mean, he's good news he's, for McNally. Yeah. Good news for Josh McNally. He's he's done Josh well. Josh has been for... brilliant, by the way. He was good, really good on Saturday in that sort of first sixty well, minutes. He's captain Bristol. now, isn't he? Uh, he is captain when Elliot uh, when Charlie Yules isn't there or mm. banned, I think. Um, yeah, Stoop Stoop's been good for Bath. Was he been there three, four years? Um, it's just a know, massive but, guy, isn't he? Yeah, he's just a big unit. You know, it's not it's not going to shatter the earth and leave him, but you know, he's he's putting a good shift for them. Um, another question from your friend Lloyd Ben: uh, Did Ben enjoy the Bristol versus Bath game? Yeah, first half was great. Do you, do you want a personal response to Lloyd? Yeah, first half was great. <laughs> Any anything personal you wanna you wanna talk to him about? No, I'm trying to get a rise out of me. Like a, I feel like there's a joke coming. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's not. Um, uh, what else have we got here? Um, we we got a question about Cipriani to Bath. Would it stop the rot or make things worse? I think it's gonna make absolutely no difference whatsoever. It, it depends why. The, it depends if the rot is on the pitch or off the pitch. If the rot is off the pitch, it'll probably make it worse. If it's on the pitch, they'll be a bit more creative. Um, but the, the backs aren't bath problem. So you're right. You know, yeah. it's not. It's not. Again, it's not the, the cure all, is it? Right. And we got we we got a question from Ben Bacon. Is what if? you could bring an NFL rule or process into rugby to make it work, what would it be and why? Doug, have you... Uh, Come back to me. Ben? Or maybe, or maybe we can all answer this one next week. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see, just throwing it out there, just because I don't really understand it, but it seems to do a really good job of some things. I, I would like to see a consolidated collegiate type approach to youth rugby um, with some kind of uh, not necessarily the draft, but, but at least a, a, instead of clubs having academies, having a, a centralized collegiate approach to youth rugby. And then um, I need to think about how they, those players would then get to clubs. Do you remember a bit like Lily Shaw in the football? I mean, I remember as yeah. a kid going to Lily Shaw on a, on a club visit and watching like all these players from all over the country play for play for England because they used to have school and stuff. It it literally sure. And imagine yeah. that for one. Well, interesting you say that. I I went out for a <clears throat> coffee with a today who was quite quite a decent rugby player in his day, and he was saying that the local rugby clubs are getting quite frustrated with the the premiership feeder system because they're they're taking they're hoover, basically hoovering up all of the best talent from the local clubs to put into premiership academies then when these kids are getting to 16 17 they're discarding them and they're just disappearing from rugby completely because yeah like their dreams are broken they don't want to play it anymore 
So rather than letting these kids develop at lower level clubs and gradually filter up, you are if you're pressuring these kids into taking what they think are professional contracts with Wasp, but they're, they're essentially in the Wasp system, but playing for Amersham and Chilton, then at 17, Wasps are saying to them, no, you, you shit, mate, you're not playing for us. And then they leave Amersham and Chilton because it's like, well, if I'm not going to play for Wasps, why am I going to play here? And, and the system at the moment is fundamentally broken to the extent where really talented rugby players are dropping out of the game because they're being told that they're not good enough for one of the 13 teams that are wealthy enough to pay them. And in, and instead of them going to these kind of centralised or semi-centralised um, development player programmes at 15, 16, 17, I think just the clubs would do better um, kind of out, outsourcing, or not outsourcing is the wrong term, but sending some of their coaching knowledge out to the clubs at, at junior stages and other players then also getting the benefit from playing with some of these good good players and with with good coaching. I, I just think if you're half decent at the moment, like Doug said, if you if you're half decent but you're not going to make the the crop, you end up doing a, a hell of a lot of travelling, seeing a hell of, hell of a lot of stuff going on. But then come sixteen, seventeen, whenever they they make the chop, if you don't get a full academy contract you're kind of turfed out with not so much as a thank you. Could could you almost make it like more like a, a hybrid, almost like the baseball, where if you picked a player, say, under 23 from, uh, so say um, Bristol picked up a player from, say, Red Ruth, then if, if he was under a certain age, they had, they would, have to replace him with a with an older player, so you have a, like a, a back and forth going. And if you call a player up, you've got to drop a player down to the club you you bring them up from. You could have a farm system, but that's essentially what they do at the moment, anyway. So, yeah. what, the, the, having thought about it now, what I would do is implement a, a maximum squad size. So, in the NFL, you're allowed a maximum squad size of fifty three players plus nine or ten, I think, on a practice squad. And in your match day squad, you're allowed 49. So you have four healthy scratches from if your squad's fully healthy. So what that, I think, would do is where you've got premiership teams with 50 senior professionals plus an academy plus a youth setup, I would say to them, no, you're allowed 50 players, full stop. That is your entire roster. That would then filter talent into the lower divisions, which would then create more talented squads in the lower divisions which would disperse talent make the league lower leagues better which create a better feeder system which would improve the game as a whole in my opinion there you go that, that answers, I've, that I've, that. I've got one go on then ben so have a coach's review so that's they're doing that in bloody super rugby aren't they that's what yeah. they're doing cap, captain's yeah, review they so, bend it off so so I, I don't know if this is how it worked in Super Rugby, but instead of having the video referee chiming in every five and a half seconds, just have, you've got one review per half. If you get it right, you keep it. If you don't, you lose it. So, and that was the, the theory with the captain's review, but there were some quite stringent um, requirements on what you could and couldn't use it for. 
Uh, and obviously the captains being thick as shit just didn't pay any attention to that. And they were like, oh, can we review that, please? Because I think there was a knock-on in the middle of the pitch. Mm. And the ref was like, no, you've just lost a review as well. You've been told it's only for serious foul play or for a try-scoring opportunity. Oh, shit. I mean, that that makes it a bit woolly, doesn't it? A try-scoring opportunity. I think you've got to give them more guidance than that. But but that was the first yeah, thing that sprang into I, my and mind. There, and there probably was more guidance. Yeah, um, you know the the other thing I'd do is get. If we're talking about changing rugby, I'd get rid of touchline interventions from the uh, to, yeah. from the um, linesman. Matt Carley was up to it again this weekend, weren't he? Yeah, they were. They're always up to it. Like, and some some are more busy. Some are busier than others. The, the busier ones tend to be the full time referees that are stuck on the touchline. Probably because they got their asses on their hand for having to do a job for their mate. It's like, it's like the, the guy that you've got round to your house at the weekend who's a, a full-time bricklayer and you want him to build you a barbecue in the garden um, or help you build a barbecue in the garden. So you're there, you're there trying to do it and he's like, fucking come on, like, do this, lay that this, there, put this that there. This doesn't sound like a hypothetical to me. <laughs> sounds like I, something I, that's happened. I, I haven't brick built a barbecue in my garden, that's for certain. Um, humble brag. Humble brag. But yeah, I haven't thought of one. I've got to be honest. Um, I, I'm gonna have to give it some give it some thought. Believe me, squad caps would improve a younger players' chances because squads would keep their really promising academy lads at the expense of some South African chancer. They would then filter down their on the way out players and players. Players on big money would would drop down because someone like Danny Cipriani, for example, his value would drop. So he'd drop down the levels because he, you know, if you've got 50 players and a salary cap that you have to stick to, you're not going to be playing paying a luxury player. I'd get rid of all of this, um, you know, two players outside the cap, all that nonsense. I'd get rid of all of that. And I'd just have a hard cap with 50 player maximum. Deal with it. That's your squad. If you want to add a player, you have to cut a player. It'd be more cutthroat, but I think it would filter down the leagues and the talent would spread and there'd be more teams that could compete. I've got an NFL question. Go on, then. It might be one for people maybe to tweet their answers, but um, I think it was... Pat McAfee show, they were talking about um, how the NFL would get on in the Olympics and they picked a rugby sevens team from NFL players. And I thought it'd be interesting to pick a, a like an Olympic rugby sevens team from the NFL. Well, you'd have to teach them all to pass first. Yeah. Yeah, but, would it be filled? Would it be filled with running backs and wide receivers, well, or would you have linebackers? They, they, no, they went sure with linebackers. They went full running backs, but well, they're, they're wrong. Well, running backs don't tackle people, do they? On the whole, so you no. you would have to you have people line, that could I, run and I'd tackle pick linebackers. You people like Patrick Willis, yeah. And um, who was the lad that that tore it up last season for Washington at the draft? Yeah, I know. That you. that lad who tore it up in Washington last year. It'd be people didn't like he, didn't um, he get arrested? 
Oh, I can't remember what his name is, but he he's was in awesome. a federal jail. Right Chase, now. Chase, Chase, someone Chase Young. Chase, Chase Young. Yeah, and the the Cleveland Browns D lineman. Oh, yeah. um, oh god, what's his name? Is he the one that hit the um, Pittsburgh quarterback with Miles Garrett? No. Miles Garrett. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> that smashed the quarterback with his helmet. Yeah, struggle to find a te- find a scrum half, I reckon. As, as riveting as this is, listening to you guys try and yeah. remember the names of obscure NFL players. <laughs> no, no, I can't remember the name of rugby players. Literally. Right, okay. Well, let, let's let's move on because we've been going for... This, this quick 45-minute podcast going well, isn't it? Um, oh, any other business? Do you have anything else you want to talk about? And I've got some NFL-related. Any other business? Just... Oh, God, great. Yeah. Well, no, um, it, yeah I, I had my jab on Friday. <laughs> ben, good luck tomorrow, fella. <laughs> Thanks, man. Because uh, I had to drive to Exeter and back and do a game in the middle with full-on Oxford AstraZeneca side effects. Well, let me tell you, those shits are bad. <laughs> Should have said you're at Exeter. Would have tried to get um, up there. But... Well, I wouldn't have had any interest in seeing you because I was so fully <laughs> in I... the locker that I couldn't do anything. I would have had no interest in seeing you because... I don't really that's, like you. That's the end of the <laughs> sentence. <laughs> um, I just want to talk quickly about uh, NFL and fantasy football. And obviously the other week was the NFL draft. And it's a sort of time of year where people start firing up their, their fantasy leagues and people doing um, like dynasty leagues that play dynasty literally 12 dynasty months of the year. English. Come on. Sorry. Well, dynasty leagues. 12 months of the year, which is the weirdest thing I think I've ever seen. And anyway, I, I put out a um, just a just a trade with somebody because I actually didn't have a, a starting quarterback in, in one of my teams. And the trade basically, not everybody in the league gets to view the, the trade and all they did was go, oh, that's a fucking bullshit trade. What the fuck are you doing that for? I can't believe that's been accepted. I can't believe, like, it had, has zero impact on their team. And for that reason, I, I, I decided to to drop a few a few truth bombs at a few people in that league. And um Do I know the person? Yeah, yeah, you absolutely do. And uh to the point where I, I removed myself from the league and and then those people just out of nowhere like decided to block me on all social media and remove me from all uh from another league that is um that has been has been set up in in memory of uh, sadly one of the guys who used to present on this podcast, and they're doing a charity. We're talking about this after the pod, and uh, yeah, and just not going to let me take part. So you know, it's pretty grown up. And this is fantasy NFL football. You know, it's the weirdest. There's some real virgins in the NFL <laughs> fantasy. I have noticed there are some very high maintenance people. Real but, virgins. Yeah. Real virgins. Anyway, yeah, couldn't yeah. agree more. Phil, could not agree more. So, Just before um, you go Phil, um DK Metcalf, who is a Seattle Seahawks wide receiver, ran in the uh, American 100 meter Olympic trials and clocked 10.37 seconds. I uh, think that's why it for those, came up. For those people who think the NFL you know, they're not super athletes. He clocked 10.37 seconds. He's the 15th fastest man in America. 15th at 10.3. Yeah. 
And he's built like a brick shit house. Yeah. It really Sorry, is. Sorry, Phil. Come on. No, no, that's fine. Um, so uh, my eldest son, James, uh, who is 11, uh, did a bit of a charity thing last May and wanted to do something again this year. So uh, he has decided that he is going to, for 30 days in a row, um, run three kilometers, cycle three, three kilometers and row one kilometer every day. Um, and he's doing it to raise money for Tommy's, which is the baby loss research charity. Um, some of you guys know, not all of you might not, but uh, unfortunately, Mrs. Farm Vet and I lost, uh, uh, lost our son, Harry, in between uh, James and Charlie. Um, and it hit James pretty hard at the time and uh, has kind of shaped, been been instrumental in shaping our family going forwards, I think it's fair to say, but um, is a big part of our lives. So, yeah, massively proud of him for, for taking that on. Um, so if anybody was, does want to dig deep, I'm aware there's a lot of people on the um, on the on the Twitter group have already done so. Um, it's justgiving.com slash fundraising slash James May Madness. Um, and I'm sure Russ will. Uh, I'm pretty sure we've sure shared, shared it already on Twitter. I, and I haven't done it yet, Phil, and I, I absolutely will. will oh, no, I'm, I'm not going to do it until he's finished all 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play. Proper dad, proper dad response that. Yeah. But fun. yeah, everybody, everybody who's donated so far has been incredibly great. Um, we're incredibly grateful for, and they've been very generous. And currently sits at five hundred and twenty-six pounds donated, which is super. It's a decent effort. Well done, James. Well done, James. Right, let's get out of here because we've done. Uh, oh, ben, sorry, did you want to do any of the business, or are you? Uh, no, fire, I had, Pfizer. I, I had a whimsical one, but uh, let's let's leave it there. Yeah, good. Good, good. Right, uh, we will see you next week after some rugby, I guess. Um, if nothing else, enjoy your weeks. Go well. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.